Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show, Jeff Byers. He is the co-founder and CEO of Amp Human, a human performance company that unlocks your physical and inner potential. Jeff and his team have assembled one of the best scientific advisory boards in the industry to help push innovation and research forward. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Vanessa. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because you have this really interesting background. So you played professional sports, you went on to financial services, and then biotech. I'd love for you to connect all those dots and put together the pieces of the puzzle to what ultimately led you to uh, founding Amp Human. Yeah, that's a good story. So Obviously, as you mentioned, I played pro football, but before that, I went to school and played football at uh, University of Southern California back in the heyday in the Pete Cara era. I actually under- graduated undergrad in three years and got accepted into the Marshall School of Business to get my MBA while I was still under scholarship. I ended up being a two-time captain of the football team there and getting my MBA and then having a tremendous opportunity to go play in the NFL. I played four years in the NFL, was an offensive lineman about 90 pounds ago, had a really fun time, played a little bit, was was a career backup, but started a handful of games. And like I said, I had a ton of fun and was a tremendous opportunity and experience for me to grow and do something that most kids grow up doing of being a professional of some kind, whether that's an actor or musician or an athlete, I feel very fortunate to have some great God-given talents to be able to get me there. But ultimately for me, I always knew there was life after ball. It was something that was super important to me. I was really passionate about business. Obviously how I went through my school, my schooling and, and university was to get my master's in business from a you know top tier school while I was still pretty young and true in college playing, playing sports. So when I retired, I had a longstanding job offer in finance. Um, and it was with a really close family friend and it was a job that I worked part-time when I was playing in the off seasons. And it was incredible when I was playing because I had ultimate flexibility in finance. It was, I call it a lone wolf job almost, where I'd be listening to analysts and doing things on my own time. But when I retired, I realized instantly it's not who I am. Like I am not a lone wolf. I've been a, a team person my whole life, a builder, a leader. And it was just a very different a very different thing than I had had envisioned. It would have been an incredible lifestyle to be in, but I'm a builder, I'm a doer and wanted to do something different and really be challenged and pushed in a pretty dramatic way. Anyways, I I took one more quick stop at a multifamily office and they were launching a early stage growth fund that I was really passionate about learning and, and hearing more about that early stage of business because it was something that I dabbled in when I was playing football of early stage investing. And like instantly was like, I need to jump in early stage business. So I joined an early stage biotech and that was probably about six years ago. And I have very little science medical background. Like, like that's just not what I was. Like I say, I've, I have a, 
exercise physiology background by the School of Hard Knocks and being around the smartest people I can find. And I've lived it. I really lived as an athlete. How do you optimize your body and thinking about the 1% and the half a percent of how do you stack things and think about human performance holistically rather than just, I'm going to lift weights really hard, or I'm going to try to run really fast because it's not just that, as we all know, human performance is a system. Anyway, so I joined this early stage biotech and part of the reason why I joined, they had this crazy idea. Could we use this technology outside of pharma and outside of medical and actually use it in human performance? And that really sparked my interest pretty quickly. And the team that they were building was just an incredible team of experienced business people and strategists. And I was just like, I'm going to learn so much from that. Anyways, jumped in uh, feet first. It was way earlier than I thought. Since I didn't have a medical or clinical background, I was like, oh, super far along. Uh, It was really early at the time. They're now crushing it, looking like they're going to go public. They have really great phase two clinical data, hopefully coming out. And and that was an awesome journey, but that was the inspiration for Amp Human. Basically this passion project, can we use this technology outside of pharma grew into what is now Amp Human. Rewind about three years from today. And we have this proof of concept product on market. It's now our flagship product called PR Lotion, but we are seeing incredible traction within pro sports, Tour de France riders, marathon world record holders, and special forces. And we had this great opportunity, but the biotech company was focused on right FDA clinical trials and getting drug approvals. And we were trying to hustle a human performance, sports performance product with no team, with no resources. And ultimately it was like, what are we going to do with this crazy idea, passion project? And we didn't even, we had a proof of concept. Like we didn't know, is this a thing? Can we actually manufacture it at scale? Can we make consumers want to buy it? We had early in, in, information. Anyway, so me and my co-founder, whose name is Erica Good, she's incredibly bright. One of the brightest people I've ever been around and is really my better half in the business. And just she, she and I were both, she was employee two, I was employee five at the biotech. And we both raised our hand and said, we want to acquire this technology, use, this in, use it in human performance and build a human performance company around it. And so ultimately we negotiated a deal with that biotech to spin out the technology for use outside of medical and create Amp Human. And we created it with this really broad vision of let's build a human performance company. One of the things that made us so unique was our access and our ability to access a lot of things that very few people had a chance to within pro sports or elite special forces, et cetera. And then we had just a pretty, pretty badass team around us to start. So that was the birth. And we always envisioned being a human performance company. But my belief very strongly is if you want to be a human performance company, you got to start at the top. You can't just start at the bottom and be a human performance company in terms of the consumer pyramid. You have to win an elite pro sports trickle down. And that was my envision, our envision, vision for the company, right? We envisioned it being a top-down based approach, win at the top, get elite penetration, make yourself at the forefront of human performance by doing something so unique with clinical data, with the best in class around you, and then build out a human performance company focused on a bunch of other different things. And we can get into my vision of human performance and how I think it's where there's opportunity. But that was a vision with launching with PR Lotion, which is an incredible product and just winning at the top, being unprecedented in that winning, and then build out the company around it. So that's a really interesting story, I, I think. How did you 
acquire, you talked about getting access. Like how did you, you know, get access to these elite athletes? And I think a lot of people in business would love to start with access to these elite athletes, get that proof of concept, and then go to consumers to the everyday athlete, quote unquote, because everybody thinks they're an athlete nowadays. (laughs) And I think it all ties into what you were talking about earlier. Like people grow up idolizing sports players. And that's something that you carry with you your whole day. You want to be, or your whole life, you want to be considered an, an athlete. And a lot of people still, there's so many people that I talk to and they talk to me about their sports days when they were like, it was like 30 years ago, but they're still talking about it as if it was last week. So how did you acquire that access to these elite groups of people? I'd love to know. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's, it was a handful of things. Obviously, where I played and at the level that I played at opened a lot of doors. So some of it was just my access, but honestly, some of my closest relationships in pro sports were like, Oh, what does Jeff know about biotech? Right. And science. And so I actually had to go around those people to like the, my periphery of network to go, but it had to do a with network. I think is really important in building solid relationships. Number two is we were doing something that had never been done before. And early on, people were like, just called BS, right? They're like, no way, not possible, right? And then you share some data with them and you go. And I think the third biggest thing for us is how we really got penetration in that elite space was just being super genuine. And for me, it was knowing what you know, but really knowing what you don't know and being super upfront because like we're doing something very new. We we are still, and we still don't have all the answers. And being upfront with the, the high performance leaders in organizations and saying, this is what we know. This is really what we don't know. These are the questions we're trying to answer. And here's here it is, take it or leave it type of thing, rather than being like, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And you're an idiot if you don't use it. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't, like, that wasn't the approach to how we really created that beachhead. So I think A, it's access. B, it's incredible differentiation. Like, these teams adopt things that are really differentiated in the human performance space that have really good science behind it or or sound science behind it with. And then the third is how genuine are you in your approach to talking to them? Because if you just full sales pitch and say, this is the best thing ever, people get turned off. Like it it just is what it is. Now it's a little different when you take that down to the consumer segment, but it, but at the top, if you say you have all the data in the world, like they're going to call BS because that's true because we're still learning things about carbohydrates and how to best use carbohydrates. And so you can't say everything. It's this, it's the uh, humility of saying, we don't know all the answers, but we do know these things. And this is really cool type of approach. I think that's how we really want. And we focused on it and it wasn't a great revenue stream. It just pro teams. It's incredible. I, I was at a conference and I was talking to one of the big leaders in, in human performance that makes kind of equipment in there. And it was a room full of the leaders in human performance. And this guy just stood on the podium and they're like, how part of it was like, how do we continue to push human performance forward? And how do we start from the top down and get data first? And he point blank just said, all you people in the room are the reason why it's really hard to continue to build the human performance ecosystem because all of you want f- stuff for free and that's not how you build a business. Like I can't build a business based upon research and science if the people in the world that are the best are just like, yeah, give it to me for free and I'll use it. And so I think that was a f- early on, it was, right? How do you just not give people free product and say, this is valuable? And that's a challenge because teams are used to like all these people, they get boxes a day of 
free stuff to use because teams, because companies just, I want so-and-so to use it. And so they just send it for free. And so they have the value on tech and human performance in their mind and buying it is quite low. And so coming over that hurdle, but also they just don't buy as much. When you think about an NFL football team, there's 53 people like, man, to sell to an NFL football team is hard to get 53 people on .com is not, that hard. I mean, it's hard, but not as hard as getting those 53. And so, right, the revenue potential is very different. And it's knowing that winning at the top and the investment in that trickles down at the end of the day. And that's something that we really pushed hard on. And I'm lucky that our investors and my board of directors believed in that philosophy because we we did a different path and we weren't always focused on revenue. We were focused on what are the things that are going to drive long-term success for the business, build the brand long-term. And that's a hard thing to do. And it's a hard thing to continue to sell the people from a, right, from a CEO perspective to investors and the board directors. But it makes sense because I think these these teams are in a unique position because they know that they add credibility to your product, right? So if you're saying, hey, this team or X, Y, and Z athlete is using our product and seeing these results, that automatically establishes marketplace dominance and, and credibility so that you can share that in your marketing message to get other teams. It's almost like momentum. And that was a really good point that you made earlier, Jeff, about really leading with the sincerity. I think that a lot of people get forget that people do business with people, right? <laughs> it's a product or technology could be amazing, but at the end of the day, you're the one articulating and communicating the benefits. So if I'm making the investment, I'm making it in you first, right? You're the one getting the foot in the door. So that makes a lot of sense. But can you tell us a little bit more about the technology and the legitimacy behind what the PR lotion is and how it works? Because it's so innovative. Yeah. So PR lotion at its core is is really revolutionary because it unlocks a very well-known, well-studied molecule, which is bicarbonate for short or bicarb. Bicarbonate's role in the body is to buffer acid and commonly referred to as lactic acid. But our body, when we work out, we produce hydrogen ions, which are acid. And those hydrogen ions build up in our muscle. And ultimately, they build up to a place where we can't flush them out. And that's called your threshold. And it is a limiting factor in our ability to train and recover that threshold based. We can't take bicarbonate orally very effectively because it's a buffering agent. It helps reduce acid or bases and our stomach is really acidic. And so we create, when you put it in your gut, you create huge gut bombs. And so outside of a very small subset of sports, nobody's ever really used bicarbonate as a, a tool for training. And bicarbonate's a basic electrolyte. It's super, super simple. Like electrolytes role in the body is to help muscle efficiency, right? Sodium, potassium, bicarbonate, and it helps that muscle efficiency. But right now, like your bicarbonate levels are what they are when you start working out and they're going to get depleted. And so if you can raise that roof, you can maximize that workout, you can push your threshold harder, right? You can recover a little faster and has, it has big implications for athletes who train with a purpose. And that's anybody who's going to the gym, right? On a weekly, uh, a couple of days a week, that's training for something and training to be better. And the core science behind it is basically the biotech, they developed IP around encapsulating molecules in fat-like bubbles. And the easiest way I describe it as I'm just old football player is I call it a Trojan horse. They 
you build it out of really commonly known ingredients or something that the body thinks is friendly because bicarbonate is what they call very hydrophilic means it loves water and things that love water do not go into our body very well. They just don't. Fat goes into our body pretty well. Like fat loves fat. You can get fat to get into fat. And so we found a way to build a Trojan horse. We, they, out of fat-like substances. We load that Trojan horse with bicarbonate and you're able to walk it through the front gates of the skin because the skin is made up of fat and skin cells. And that's at its very basic form. And then once you get through the outer layer of the skin, which is called the stratum corneum, you're in that fatty tissue. You get into the interstitium, right? Which is a fluid, the matrix in the body. Then it gets uh, dispersed throughout the body over time. It's much more of a slow draining kitchen sink, which is really fascinating. And so I always say, and I'll do it here. Like we have really good data. We don't have FU data. Like we have got great data, but we're still getting data. We've got two clinical trials going right now at two of the top universities here in the U S to further answer questions that we have around it. We have great data around pushing max effort intervals. They're placebo controlled, randomized, double blind crossover studies, which is like basically the gold standard of clinical trials. We had a, we've had a study done at San Diego State. We had a study done in, in partnership with Red Bull that's showing right your ability to go harder for longer, breakaway speed. And it's really exciting. It's exciting that we have great data, right? Because people ask about data, but it's also exciting that we have more data and questions to answer. If we had everything we ever wanted, this, this wouldn't be a journey of building. We'd just drop down a booklet of paper and everybody would do it. And then it wouldn't be revolutionary or a challenge, but we, we're continuing to work to collect that data. And I think the other thing for us is we found we found a really great partner within uh, the Department of Defense. It's called the Small Business and Innovation and Research office or contracts. And so we, they've helped us fund some of this research to further push the knowledge of PR lotion because it's doing such cool things, but we just have some questions left to answer. Like, how does it affect, right? How is it affecting the pH in the muscle? How's it affecting sodium content in the interstitial? How's it affecting water, hydration status, things like that, that we are all studying the much more invasive, hard to measure things that really hardcore scientists are asking like what's happening with muscle ph we're like this is the theory behind it we know we're doing this and therefore it says this and now it's like here what we're trying to do is here's the data around muscle ph and right we all know that changing ph has big implications because we just talked about it changing ph means you're able to reduce acidity in the muscle go harder for longer etc anyways that's in a nutshell of what pr lotion is it's pretty cool like i said it has crazy ip around it and it's simple, simple from the sense of it's like putting on, I would call it like putting on a thick sunscreen. It's not a, it's not a Jergens like lotion, but it's <laughs> because it's not Jergens and it does something, but it's a thicker kind of base, like a mineral based sunscreen that, that we all know and have used that like leaves a little residue on the skin, but ultimately the implications of your ability to make training gains and go harder for longer is pretty incredible when you use it. And it's worth that. I would say the hardest challenge for us is it's a routine thing. And we as humans are human of our, we are habitual in nature. And so how do you break into somebody's routine to have them start putting on a lotion pre-workout? It's very different. And we've learned a lot over the last three years on how you get it. You can get the Tour de France winner to do anything that's going to get them to win more Tour de France's. But to get, right, the CrossFit athlete or the, the full-time, you know, executive who does Ironmans, it's okay, new routine, new thing, right? Thought process. Like, they're not all about performance today. Like, they are like, I'm coming from work. I got to get my kids. I got to do this. And it's like another thing. So it's how do we break into that routine is the biggest challenge. 
Anyways. Right. Yeah. People are creatures of habit and it's okay. Take your BCAAs and slather on this lotion and then get go to town. So would you consider the PR lotion to be a supplement? Like how is this categorized? That's a great question. We are in a unique space. So we've, we're categorized as an over-the-counter by the FDA because we're a topical and we've, we've used over-the-counter monograph, which is basically things have been proven safe. So we're regulated by the FDA, which is different than a supplement per se, because supplements don't have to have manufacturing processes and they're not audited by the FDA and things like that. And we are, so we have that extra safety box, but what we are doing is we're supplementing your bicarbonate levels in your body. Like at the end of the day, right? Like in the true sense of it, just supplements are defined by the FDA as being taken orally and PR lotion is not taken orally. So we, we don't fall into the supplement classification, but what we are doing is supplementing bicarbonate in the body. That's interesting. I, I honestly, I think supplements get such a bad rap because they aren't regulated that it, there's so many like garbage products out there that are just stuffed with fillers that it's really hard for a consumer to really know what's legit and what's not. And I think being regulated by the FDA does add a lot of legitimacy to, just to the general public. Obviously, performance, high performance athletes are concerned with performance and are willing, more willing to try different things. As you're going through these clinical trials and you're gathering more data, Jeff, what does innovation look like in sports and, and fitness and human performance? Obviously, you're on the cusp of that. So I'm really curious to hear what future innovation looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's <clears throat> how we've, how we view human performance is we view human performance as a puzzle and that puzzle has pieces scattered everywhere. And there's a bunch of other pieces that are scattered in there that don't belong in that puzzle too. That's the noise that you're talking about, the confusion in the supplement space or in human performance, right? Cause there's a lot of random crap out there too, but that puzzle is really important. And a lot of people focus on a puzzle piece. And that in our opinion is where the opportunity is. When we started Amp Human, we saw this massive white space to how do you build a human performance company at the forefront with the best minds in the world to put together a system-based approach that puts together not all the puzzle pieces, but a, a handful of the puzzle pieces in a system-based approach to make it really easy for the consumer to say, here's some really innovative products. Here's some core foundational products that are really important to human performance. Put them together with the story about why they're so important, why they're best in class, and why they are what they are. And so we believe, right, where the human performance space is, optimization, what do we want to say, is it has to move to a system-based approach. Because human performance only works when you can put most of that puzzle together. And if you're just working on one thing or chasing one, one random item, it doesn't matter, right? Like, this, there might be some mushroom asterisk out there that is incredible and can help you go from, right, 95% optimized to 96% optimized. But just having the right electrolyte balance in your body is 30%. And most people don't do that. And so how do you create a system-based approach that has innovation like PR lotion, but also the other core foundational aspects of, right, of a human, right, from soft tissue work to nutritionals to content and knowledge around how do we continue to enhance those things. So we believe a big step forward is building out a system-based approach to human performance, building a product line 
and a product portfolio underneath PR Lotion, using PR Lotion as our hero product that is truly differentiated, that allows us to be at the forefront, that allows us to build best-in-class products and allow us to be credible. And then you build in a, a suite of, of really incredible, well-thought products that all fit together based upon our core consumer, the athlete who trains with the purpose, their core needs. And then really where I think, so I think that's a big component of it. I also think as we think about over the next five to 10 years, you have incredible, we have more data being collected on every human being than we've ever had before. The problem is, what's the intervention? What's the so what? And that I believe is going to come over the next five to 10 years of how do you marry an aura ring, a whoop, right? And start putting in, right, actually interventions that have an impact to you because you can use an aura to basically say, try these five things, see what happens. And you can use it and you can create, right, a, a true integrated system based upon, right, data, solution, intervention, or whatever you want to call it, feedback, close the loop, keep going, right, to ultimately push you forward. So I do believe that over the next five to 10 years, it's going to be an integration of all these incredible companies creating interventions or solutions with the data companies to create a closed loop system to actually say, because our bodies work very differently, like I sleep differently than you, and I'm going to react to different things in sleep than you will. And so how do we figure out right? What's best for Jeff? What's best for Vanessa and vice versa. So I think that's a really important step going forward. I also think the, where the ball is really moving is around neuroscience and actually the chemicals in our body and how those interact. We, we think about cortisol and adrenaline and all of these things. And what, what does X, what are the precursors? How do we get those up and what's important? And is cortisol bad? No, it's how do we react and respond to cortisol? So how do we, right? How do we deregulate our body and upregulate it? And so how are we doing things and, and thinking through that over the time? I think neuroscience, we're learning so much about how that brain the brain functions and interacts with so many different things. And I think that's a big step that's going to happen over the next five to seven years. And so like, how does that system interact with the brain? Because the brain is ultimately what's controlling our fatigue sensors when we work out and we train, right? How we sleep, how we digest food. It's just, it's incredible. And we're like, I'm not even close to an expert, but, but what the smartest people are learning right now is incredible and how they're sharing that information. I find super fascinating, but that is definitely where the ball is going. So I think, right, the data collection is incredible. It is a key cornerstone to human performance and this goal of how do we continue to be limitless in theory like how do we continue to push our bodies further we have to have knowledge and we have to have, understand what's going on to understand how interventions work then to close the loop around it anyway so that's where i envision things going but jeff like who is the gatekeeper to that prescriptive protocol or closing that loop right because i think of the everyday fitness consumer for example and they don't have a team like an elite athlete has a team of people advising them, collecting all this data. The everyday person, the everyday athlete has their Apple Watch, their Aura Ring, their Whoop, their Amazon Halo, and they might be like looking at HRV and maybe some of these more advanced people are, are working with glucose monitoring. But who is helping? Where is the opportunity for people to really understand I'm collecting all this data and now here's what I need to do to really optimize myself since you were saying, which is so true, everybody's body operates differently. So is that gatekeeper, the doctor, the functional medicine doctor, the coach, like who would, who would be that person to really advise people? Or is that going to be another piece of tech? 
I think that's a piece of tech, right? You're, we're going to be able to get people probably by tech. We, I don't like somebody, we probably 70 or 80% of the way there, which is an incredibly far thing. And then you're going to use these professionals to further dial it in, whether it's right, a natural path or nutritionist or whatever, but there's going to be ways by you. You just mentioned all the wearables, all this data exists. Now we have to understand like how do different interventions work and start pairing companies like Amp Human with Aura or Amp Human with Whoop. And you see this, the SPAC mania out there, but combining those companies to actually start creating interventions based upon data for people and like trying those things. And then it's creating a dashboard type of opportunity. This is why I think in like five to 10 years, um, like it's creating this dashboard system to say, okay, here's Vanessa, right? Here are the things we know and the inputs that we have. And based upon these inputs, do X, Y, and Z or 20 things. And that's the core foundational work. And if you want to build above the foundation, you're going to have to go see people because an algorithm is only going to get you so far, but they can get you that core foundational piece. And that's what I think what we believe most people are missing is what's the foundation look like? And most people are ignoring the foundation and going straight to, right? Let me go put a chimney on my house, but I don't have a foundation. And it's the chimney comes last. Like who cares about the chimney? The foundation is everything that matters really. And if you get there, you're 60, 70% of the way to being right, truly optimized. And then you can like stack on different levels by putting in, right? The best experts in the field, but it, it ultimately allows those experts to not build a foundation. It's to how do we optimize from 60 to 70, 70 to 80, go those hard, those really hard, the hard places on that. And so I think, I think it's probably a combination of how do you integrate with these service providers? How do you integrate with the data and then bring solutions to bear that have data and actually close the system loop to say, here's my sleep score. We're going to change it. We're going to change X, Y, and Z. Oh, goes down here. We're going to change these things. I'm back up here, right? So here's what, how it affects me and start really understanding that we're not there as in industry yet, but we're getting there and we're moving there. And I, I think about what AI is doing and other things and how it can potentially pull all this data collecting and start analyzing. You, you have all these incredible people tracking genomes, DNA, blood work, right? Like actually your physical patterns throughout the day, you smash all that together and you can actually tell and learn a lot about a body. And then you say, Vanessa reacts differently to glucose than Jeff. Therefore, she shouldn't be taking glucose when she's training or she should be right. And maybe I need to be taking half as much because I'm really glucose intolerant. I don't know, like just making things up, but those are the things that we're going to learn. And Oh, when I stop taking as much glucose, my performance goes up. My productivity goes up. I don't spike throughout the day, things like that. Or maybe when I stop it, yeah, I might be glucose intolerant, but my performance just tanks because Right. Like be, because I need glucose to, you know, be my energy substrate as an example. Anyways. And so you have big aspirations and obviously there's a lot of potential. So many things fall underneath the umbrella of human performance. And when you say that PR, you know, lotion is your hero product, and then there's going to be subsequent products that live under that. What does your team look like? Like, how did you put together that group of individuals to support this vision? 
That's a really good question. I think we have a core team. We're about 17 people now as a business. And we've got, we are a commercial company. We obviously sell PR lotion and we're doing pretty good with that. And so we have a, a good chunk of that company focused on marketing campaigns, partnerships around PR lotion. But that team also is, we're starting to build out the system-based approach. And we have products in queue for this year for launches that will come out that are really important to that system. And so they're working on how do we integrate them? How do we create the content, the story around them? That's that kind of commercial marketing team. And then we have an HP side of the business as well, where we have two two full-time people that are exercise physiologists and really smart, and they help guide our clinical research. They help be thought leaders in the space and they help and make sure that the products we're designing are really good, but also they help work with our external parties, our, our scientific advisory board that has people like the head of HP at Nike and, and Red Bull and English Institute of Sport, nutritionists and, and like just incredible people. So how do we take their minds from our meetings and, and actually condense them into a system-based approach? And then how do we take the system and define what are the interventions, what are the products that are the most important for kind of our three core pillars of human performance? And so it's, you got to have a, like, we got the business, the commercial team running and, and how are we executing today in the six months and in a year? And then we've got the executive team and the human performance and then our, and our periphery advisory board working on how are we thinking about it in two years, in three years, in four years? Because if I, I believe if we aren't thinking about what human performance looks like in three years, we're going to get passed up. We might have incredible revolutionary tech, but my goal is not to be a product company. And that's not why we started Amp Human. We started Amp Human to be a human performance company focused on solving and bringing solutions to market around human performance. And so that's where we're going. And I believe, right, products companies are great. That's just not what we inv- what we set out to build. And so it's a balance. And like I said, like we got to win at the top. We've got to think about what the what it looks like in two to five years, what other new technologies are out there. So we're always talking to, right, universities and the DOD of what's happening, what, what's really cool. Are there opportunities for us to go in and buy new tech, license it, et cetera, to really expand it out? Because what we know is the team and commercializing products is really hard. And so how do we find the right, the right pairing of really great scientists, R&D teams, combine it with ours to go forward? Anyway, so that's just on, on how we're thinking about going forward. Team is big for our size, and I'm really proud of that. And we've done a nice job balancing on human performance and commercial, and how do we marry the two together? We've got a lot of room to get better. There's no doubt about that, but it, yeah. It's growing at lightning speed. Yeah. When you think of innovation, it's okay. That's products, tech, people, and funding. So yep. <laughs> how are you? Obviously, you have a little bit of a competitive advantage when it comes to fundraising because you have this... You can talk the talk from your background in finance. And did you raise funding? Are you self-funding? How are you funding the future iterations of AMP Human? We are not self-funded. We've done capital capital raises. We've, we've been lucky to be successful and they're never easy, just point blank to anybody who says they're easy is 
either they've got a unicorn or they're lying to you, no matter how well networked you are, et cetera, like fundraising is hard. And we first had to fundraise to spin the business out of the biotech. And then we, that kind of got us on our feet. Then we had to fundraise to actually build the business. And then we had to fundraise, right, build and sustain the business. And we, then we fundraised again just recently to really accelerate growth. So we've done three rounds to date. It's been a journey. We've raised a good amount of money over that, over those, call it three years we've been in business. But yeah, we've chosen the traditional kind of venture backed business where right? You, you build before you build the team and you build the opportunity before it's actually there. And so it's much more of a hockey stick stick type of approach, but, but also it allows us to invest in the future because it's all about what do we believe the vision is and how do we get there the fastest? And what's the D plus lotion? Is that the, the latest product that came out? Yeah, it's the latest product. We're we're off market right now with D plus lotion. We're working through we're working through some operational challenges with it. To be frank, we acquired it. We acquired it from an inventor, IP, etc. But we've we are working on how do we scale up, own the supply chain, and do a full tech transfer here to our facilities. I and mean, we're still working through that, hoping we get it back on market as fast as possible. But it is a process. It's a new tech. It's super interesting, but we didn't develop it. So we don't have the full knowledge. We acquired it and we're still working through how do we actually scale that thing up. And with a lot of tech scale up is really hard and it actually might not, like we did some small runs and we, we might not be able to actually fully get it back on market in a major way, but we're working really hard to do it. Like my team is, yeah, they've had some sleepless nights over it. A lot of sleepless nights over it, actually, because it's been a, it's been a hurdle. And actually, COVID's made it COVID made it a lot harder early on to actually work through some of these bugs, just because you weren't allowed right manufacturing and just COVID. We enough said there. It's hard to do things in person and, and so. Um, thank you for being transparent about that because I think so many people think of businesses and it sounds like you've had so many quick wins. I'm sure it doesn't feel that way to you because you're living the day in and the day out. But from an outsider's perspective, it's like only acceleration over the last few years, but there are always hiccups in business. It's never linear. So thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us. If somebody wants to connect with you, Jeff, or they want to know more about Amp Human, how can they do that? Uh, You can only find me on LinkedIn. I'm there occasionally. So check me out, hit me, and I'll get back to you in some amount of time. And then Amp Human, we're at amphuman.com. Pretty easy, A-M-P human. Yeah, check us out. We got some cool stuff on there and we have some cool news coming up over the next two months too that I think everybody in your network will like to continue to follow. And I'm excited to share as as we get closer and it becomes more real. We always want to get better and optimize, especially in fitness. We're like the optimization junkies. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you, Vanessa. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessaseveriano.com or my social media handles. Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.